0: Hey, Kim here. Quick update before you dive into this episode. We've changed the name of our podcast to Rooted in Tomorrow. It's a nod to our shared history and the bright future of our cooperative system. So if you get later in the series to our 22nd episode, you'll notice the change. But most importantly, it won't affect you as a listener or a subscriber. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode.
1: We are farmer-owned, and what I know about farmers is that they reinvest to try to make their communities better. And hunger is a specific area of focus for us, for our foundation, and for our members. And it's connected to healthcare, education, vibrant economy, vibrant job opportunities, and that is something we're, we're really targeting.
0: About the work that you do what makes it meaningful is it the results or is it the process or is it the promise of something greater being a cooperative means we're in this together to build a sustainable future and feed human progress this is something greater a podcast by Lando inc i'm kim olson follow along with us as we bring you the stories and voices that impact our shared community The communities that help feed all of us, the small farming towns, places where sometimes the number of animals on the ranch or in the pasture are greater than the number on the sign that welcomes you to the city limits. Cities, some that may be a few thousand people, but might have a silent but proud part of their population that's struggling with where they're going to find their next meal. Hunger, of course, doesn't only affect rural communities, but it does disproportionately affect them. In fact, nearly 90% of the counties where kids are food insecure are rural counties, according to Feeding America. We all have a stake in solutions, especially since the people we depend on to feed the world are in some cases the very ones who are most in need. Today, Land O'Lakes CEO and President Beth Ford joins us, along with Claire Babineau-Fontenot, CEO of Feeding America, and Alison O'Toole, CEO of Second Harvest Heartland. They're here to talk about the meaningful work that's going on to tackle this issue. Thank you for joining us today. We are so thrilled to have um, the three of you here to talk about some really important issues to uh, rural America. Before we get started, I would love to hear a little bit about each of you. Beth Ford uh, needs no introduction. Mm-hmm. Beth's our CEO and president here at Land Lakes. I would like to uh, introduce Claire Babineau-Fontenot from Feeding America. Thrilled to have you here. Claire, can you tell us just a little bit about your organization? I'd be happy to. Feeding America
2: is a network of 200 food banks around the United States. That includes about 60,000 food pantries and soup kitchens and over 2 million volunteers. So together we feed over 40 million people facing hunger in this country every
0: year. Amazing. So I'm really excited that I get to be a part of that. Well, wow, that sounds like a wonderful job. It is. And we're also joined by Allison O'Toole, CEO of Second Harvest Heartland. Allison, can you tell us a little bit about your organization?
3: Yeah, I'm happy to. Thanks so much for having me. I am the proud CEO of Second Harvest Heartland, which is one of the largest food banks in the country um, and part of the Feeding America network. So one of those food banks in Claire's, um, under Claire's umbrella we, our mission is to um, end hunger with our partners. And we do that um, through distributing uh, about a hundred million pounds of food in the last year through about a thousand partners across our service area. We serve fifty nine counties in central and southern Minnesota and western Wisconsin. And I would be, I hope we get to talk about this more, but it is just really a new day at Second Harvest Heartland because we have, We are opening a new facility in the next few months here and upping our game in a major way. So I'm really looking forward to talking about that and talking with all of you.
0: Great. Thank you for coming. So, Beth, maybe you can tell us how we're all connected here.
1: Well, we're all connected, period, right? But, you know, one of the, I think, foundational issues and thoughts I have about the culture of Land O'Lakes is that we are farmer-owned. And what I know about farmers is that they reinvest to try to make their communities better. And hunger is a specific area of focus for us, for our foundation, and for our members. Mm -hmm. Specifically um, with Second Harvest and with others, Mm -hmm. with Feeding America, we started a first-run program. We donate fresh food products in support of these organizations. And um, we're trying to help solve this, this hunger gap as well. In fact, last year I think and over the year we donated nearly half a billion uh, or 500,000 um, I guess pounds in 2018 nationwide at various times throughout the year. And what we usually focus on is one of the things my children love, which is uh, first one mac and cheese. Love everybody that, loves, mac. That. Yeah, everybody <laughs> loves mac and cheese. When that's on the, the line downstairs for, um, for lunch, well yeah. That there's a definitely a line so th- that's the way we think about it but yes. I, I want to say foundationally I think that the way we're connected mm-hmm. is supportive of what these two leaders do mm-hmm. which is try to solve problems um, in different communities this one or nationwide and I would say that is what um, we see our farmer members doing in their communities and, and focusing specifically on hunger
0: great great so understand the commitment from, from Land O'Lakes. Um Allison and, and Claire, can you tell me a little bit uh, about you personally and why you're committed to fighting hunger? Absolutely. So um, I think
2: Minnesotans and, and others around the country, when they think of a big family, uh, they probably aren't envisioning what I mean when I say that I come from a big family. Yeah. I'm one of 108 children. Uh,
0: now, birth. wait a minute. Wait, 108? Yes. See, we've 108. had Beth Ford on here who talks about being one <laughs> eight. of eight. Yeah, and don't, asked don't,
1: him. Don't, try to, don't try to throw shade my way. <laughs> sure? She, she yeah. just topped you and by
0: 100,
1: yes. 100. Just 100. Just 100 more.
2: <laughs> Show off. And, I, and I wish I could claim it as me showing off. I think it's more Mary Alice and Warren Babineau who were doing the yeah. showing off. My mom and dad, uh, through birth, adoption, and foster care, were mom and dad to 108 kids including the very very privileged me um my goodness through that work i learned things some of which um well most of which inform everything that i want to do in my life and with my life including um the privilege of serving in this role some of the things i learned were great things like i come from an agricultural community i learned about hard work um in that agricultural community. Mm Opalousis actually, our claim to fame when I was a child was we were the sweet potato capital of the world. Oh in fact.
0: Uh, Big season coming up for you guys then, right? We
2: had the Yamblee parade, the Yamboli festival, (laughs) and I got married (laughs) and my reception was at the Yamboli Auditorium. Oh Oh, yeah. So deep roots in, in agriculture. But also as I've been in this work and I've only been in my role for a little over a year. Um, I have seen uh, the power of our farmers in feeding the hungry in this country. Um, Please let me take this chance to say thank you to farmers
3: out
0: there, too. I appreciate it. Always (laughs) time to thank farmers. Thank, (laughs) Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Allison, tell me a little bit about your connection.
3: I have spent a lot of my career working with farmers across the state and they do so much and it is so important to thank. And so thank you, Claire, for raising that up. And thank you, Beth, for all of the work you do to support um, the agricultural community. But I really come at this, I come from a family of service. I grew up in a family, you know, neighbors helping neighbors and grew up working at a very young age. I am well, acquainted with hard work, but started working at age seven in our family drug store. Oh, my goodness. Where that is um, young. <laughs> O'Toole Drug, it's in the heart of Minneapolis. It was in the heart of Minneapolis. Well, that's what happens when you have a family business. And I yeah, think farmers right. can relate to that too. Everyone yes. um, has a hand in making it work for the family and the community. Yeah. And I. Um, saw the importance of making community connections at that store but my dad and grandpa were pharmacists too and so always come at it from that that health bent um i've spent the majority of my career just helping minnesotans thrive mm-hmm. i come most recently from the healthcare arena and i feel like being you know this job at the, at the helm of second harvest heartland is really at the critical nexus of bringing people and food together and helping Minnesotans thrive and be healthy and have access to healthy food so they can have the jobs they want and have kids learn um, with full bellies. Um, But really, it's the neighbors helping neighbors that drives me every day and that brings me to this work.
0: And such an interesting background to bring to it with healthcare as yeah, well. Yeah, um, I didn't it, realize healthcare was all the way into your uh, family business, a pharmacy. Yeah. That's
3: interesting. And it, well, it's it's a fun connection now, and have yeah. been in the middle of a lot of recent discussions around health reform and how we care for our neighbors. And unfortunately, it's gotten politicized a little bit, but I think, or a lot, um, but I think one of my main, the people we serve with our partners, we serve about a half a million Minnesotans and Western Wisconsinites every year. Mm -hmm. And about two thirds of um, food insecure folks that we serve have some chronic condition And I think the first line of defense to that is with healthy food. And so you can see when I said it's a new day at Second Harvest Heartland because we have the capability now to provide more produce, more lean protein,
0: more dairy, better food. To help people be healthier. Beth, I know you talk about how um, a lot of issues in rural communities are connected. Mm-hmm. And the you know we, we've kind of started down that road, so I, I'd like to pursue it a little bit more. Some of the things that you talk about, Beth, is the crises that we're facing in rural communities. And hunger's part of it, but it'd be interesting to hear your perspective on Claire, you know Claire's perspective on how things are all connected it just rings um, so true to some of the things I've heard you say right. about well, how we, things we are all connected.
1: need vibrant rural communities yeah yes. and so we need job creation um, because great news many folks want to live in their towns right mm-hmm. they want to right. so they'd like uh, a, you know, job opportunities they'd like, technology access and so that's been a particular focus of our team because we know that that's such an enabler for other elements that are all connected that would be telemedicine because of the number of rural hospitals that have shut down right. there's a shortage of 40,000 doctors in rural America so we have to have access to to health care in education Most education or many educational outcomes are now tied to access to technology, and being able to have broadband access, for instance, to finish homework is so important, and thus the fact that we have many schools that don't have that and there isn't access to broadband – 19 million Americans in rural America lack broadband access – and so they're going back to maybe the way I learned, right, which yeah. is I couldn't even use a calculator. It's all pencil, long division. <laughs> a we pencil, say, what's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, and we could say, oh, that's good because they're understanding the nuts and bolts of it. But yeah. it's leaving opportunity and children behind in terms of education. Right. Um, so all of these things are connected. The opioid crisis because of lack of access to health care. Mm-hmm. Um, the number of jobs that aren't being created. We lack housing. So homelessness is increasing. Increasing in rural communities, yes. um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one of four children grows up in poverty in rural America. So, why am I focused on this as the CEO of Land O'Lakes? Because yeah. we're running a business, right? And we're doing this on behalf of our farmer members. I believe a strong, b- vibrant rural economy is absolutely central to the strength of the business and the portfolio. But also, is simply the right thing to do. Is consistent with the co-op structure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, business. I also belong on business roundtable and there was the whole purpose of the corporation talking about the shareholders the employees right. and everything i believe that that has been the nature of the co-op from mm. the origin right yeah. always reinvesting in the community to solve some of these connected issues so right. hunger yes and it's connected to health care education vibrant economy Vibrant job opportunities, and that is something we're we're really targeting.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Kim, if, if I Please. may, at so first, let me um, uh, provide a ringing endorsement to what Beth already knows, yeah. um, which is the work that that you're focusing on is critically important, and I applaud you for doing so. Um, another place that we absolutely agree is this is one of those rising tide type of environments where when we and I'm I'm an optimist by nature. <laughs> When we do a more effective job of helping to elevate our rural centers, um, we will, by extension, be elevating all of us. There are some of us who don't understand how connected we are. Um, So
0: if if you and Allison could speak to that a little bit, because sometimes when we think of hunger because of our, our backgrounds, the way we grew up, our demographic, whatever it might be, we often think of urban needs for hunger. Obviously, we see, uh, and we've talked about, rural needs. Can both of you kind of speak to what's what the differentiators are, how you see things that are the same and things that are different between rural and urban communities?
2: I'd be happy to do so and, and have, um, and then uh, of course, have build. Allison as well. I'll step one step back to say that one of the things that beating America, our vision is for a hunger-free America, and that we have four pillars to our strategy, and mm-hmm. among them is empower, because we recognize that simply watching a line grow, no matter how well you serve that line, mm-hmm. should not be the goal. The goal should be to end that line, and, mm-hmm. and we're working to do that in uh, across many indices. Well, what we've what we've seen is that actually rural America has more children who suffer with hunger than urban centers do. What well, with food insecurity than urban mm-hmm. centers do? And the general population... Inordinately suffers with hunger versus urban centers, and you're right that that is not the way. That's not what the perception is, and the challenge. I mean, is, they're the
0: ones growing the food. You yes. would, you would certainly right. think that fresh would be food, a problem. It's fresh
1: It's fruit. It's vegetables. Right. And we were talking about that. It's it's access. Frankly, mm-hmm. in many grocery stores have shut down. Right, yes, people are yeah. driving hours to get fresh food. Right. Um, we've got to solve some of those issues. We really do, yeah. and we have. So, where you might be more
2: likely, although you sometimes see food deserts in urban centers, you often see food swamps in mm-hmm. urban centers as well. So, What's the notion a food? of swamp, <laughs> a food swamp, <laughs> would be um, an environment where you get access to food. It's not nutritious. Quickserve was designed to supplement a healthy that's right. diet. That's right. um, it's not supposed to be your whole diet. Yeah, that's it. It's convenience stores exactly. um, where you oh, inordinately can get access to potato chips and to yeah. sugary beverages.
1: Both of which I like. Yeah, I like oh. them both too. Um oh, we are. Um, yes. But when... Just some chips. Yeah, yeah, and I
2: do believe that um, that all things in moderation, right? Yes. When that is all that you have access to, mm-hmm. all that you have access to. If you can imagine that your grocery shopping happened in a convenience store. Or gas station. Yeah. Or gas yeah. station. Exactly. Yeah. Same exact concept. If that's where your grocery shopping happened, living inside of an urban center, what would that mean for your health outcomes? Yeah. So you wind up with similar health challenges, but with slightly different uh, catalysts to those health challenges. Yeah. But underlying all of it is a lack of access, consistent access to nutritious, a nutritious mix of food. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's
1: a consistent message when so you, you did the contrast between urban and rural some of the inner cities and we say the same thing about access to technology right yes um, yeah. the reality mm-hmm. is that there isn't access there's an access issue and an affordability issue in rural communities yes. and in urban communities it's an affordability mm-hmm. issue mm-hmm. um so it's not as though it, it, a line couldn't be laid or there wasn't density of population it's an affordability issue but of the 24 million Americans that lack broadband, for instance, 19 are in rural communities. Yeah. It's just not um, accessible. Yeah. That's exactly right. And can we see, Please,
3: yeah, 1 in 11 Minnesotans uh, suffer from food insecurity. That includes 1 in 8 Minnesota kids, which is
0: 1 in 11. 1 in 11. So nearly, nearly 10%.
3: Yep, and about half- of those are in rural Minnesota, greater. Rural Minnesota. I call it greater Minnesota because I think it's greater. I um, think it's something greater. <laughs> <laughs> it's <just me. laughs> or something greater, yes. Yeah, so we, can, we can talk like that too. But um, I think that what Beth and Claire are saying is super right on. I think what we see in greater Minnesota is that there are fewer access points Mm -hmm. and transportation issues, things, you know, food deserts, all of that, but let's face it. Maternity care deserts? Yeah, Yeah. healthcare deserts. Um, But let's face it, the economy has not recovered from the Great Recession in every corner of my area, Uh, and I think across the country. And so we see um, families, both urban and rural, but especially in the rural communities where these issues are compounded, they are living paycheck to paycheck, Worried rising cost of living, worried about getting that next big bill. And we know the first budget item in a family's budget to be compromised is the food budget. And yeah. so then you go back to those um, cheap, empty calories from the convenience store or the gas station, which were not meant to – they're meant to supplement at some point but not be your main um, source. And so it is really concentrated, in my opinion, in rural, um, uh, rural Minnesota – We have at Second Harvest Heartland, we are always looking for new innovations Mm -hmm. um, to do this. But in the last three years, we have tripled the amount of uh, produce, fresh produce, that we deliver across our service area. And it is incumbent upon us, and I would say incumbent upon all of us, to figure out how to do even more of that. And, you know, where I am focused is rounding out not only providing more produce and fresh food, but lean protein and um, dairy as well. I'll get back to that, Beth, you mentioned the first run uh, yeah, donation a that you that. all, I, yes, that is, you all have been so generous with us, um, so thank you so much. I was in the warehouse, I am nine months into this job, so everything's oh, new congratulations. right now. And so now you're ready
1: for the baby. <laughs> and now I'm ready for the baby, yes. Yes.
3: Um, So, I was in the warehouse when you delivered the first run 40,000 pounds of mac and cheese. Who doesn't love mac and cheese? (laughs) No one. It it was one of the most positive um, events, but also so needed. And when we distribute that, our partners, the partners we work with to solve hunger across the area, are so thankful for that um, because it is high quality, nutritious product. Um, that we can distribute and that is the key and it's our challenge to make sure we do more of that.
1: You know, we try to, d- I appreciate the call out and, you know, the foundation and our members really uh, reinvest, as I say, you know, that we've done that in Minnesota. We've done it in 42 states, mm-hmm. yes. um, you know, 78 food banks. Yes. I think it's so important to say we're going to show up to try to work in these communities to try to solve some of these issues and be present. And that's, I think, you know, shows shows up when you say we're going to make this kind of donation. Well,
0: and when, yeah. you, when we make the donation, um, one of the things Things that uh, Land of Lakes has, we're obviously a member-owned cooperative, and mm-hmm. um, we try to reflect our our members' thinking and desire to um, to give to things like First Run, and we also have a member match program, so we try to to bring them along, they match kind of dollar-for-dollar donations. I don't know, Beth, if you want to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean,
1: this is, again, I I have such a heart for it. So we we did a presentation at the annual meeting about this Mm -hmm. where um, some of the local co-ops, even some of the leaders, they say, you know, I I didn't know that there was even such a hunger issue in my community, but there clearly is, and somebody knows that, and so they start to, to develop a backpack program. And so that they can, you know, so these kids can, can get some nutrition for the weekend. Yeah. This match program is consistent with that. What they're trying to do is say, you know, if you're going to give, we're, the foundation is going to give as well. We're going to match. And a lot of companies do that. So we're, you know, I don't know that this is a unique thing. Mm-hmm. But what I'm always struck by is even when it's challenging, and it has been challenging in the sectors for a while,
0: yeah. the
1: first stories they talk about is somebody else who's got a real problem. One of our dairy members is a teacher, substitute teacher, or she teaches Spanish, and then she's saying, and they were having all sorts of problems, and then she said, but boy, then one of the kids didn't show up for class, and they're like, where is it, where is he, and you know, boy, he had, his parents had, he had had a death, they had had a death, and so he's taking care of his siblings, she uh-huh. says, boy, it just really brought home for us. They're people with real challenges, and we want to try to help them. So even though they have struggles, this is why I, I so have a heart for our members, for the business, um, and for this match program. They want to reinvest, and they want the company to reinvest, and that is part of the value set here. And they're, they're willing to go in and in person, in person, right. try to make a change, not just say, I'm going to write the check. It is about mm-hmm. being there and present in person. I think it's, it's terrific. Yeah. yeah. So first, a a statement that I I know to be true is that
2: we, as Americans, really don't understand um, what hunger looks like here. See more Um, about that, Claire. So we have, um, we poll people um, through Feeding America. We try to understand how the American public looks at various issues that impact people facing hunger. Um, We ask questions about Um, what do they consider the face of hunger to look Mm -hmm. like? Seldom do they say my neighbor. Yeah. Seldom do they say working families. Seldom do they say the elderly. One of our big challenges in this movement is helping people to solve for a problem that they don't even think they have. Oh, that's interesting. So changing how the American public looks at hunger, helping to educate the American public on what hunger looks like, and helping to educate us all on the things we can do to be helpful to each other. But another area that I I just want to make sure I don't lose the moment um, and an opportunity to talk about, the elderly who face hunger in this country as well. There are lots of elderly um, who face hunger, over 5 million um, uh, people, in fact, in that group, who do not have consistent access to nutritious food. And some of the reasons why, um, there's this concept um, that has emerged that I consider so unfortunate, which is the notion of earned hunger. That's what I call it. What does that mean? It's where in focus groups, and we talk to people about who's hungry, they will share their thoughts, and oftentimes their thoughts are not based upon fact, but they have very strong opinions Mm -hmm. that... Even if we talk about the elderly and we say, well, w- how do you feel about the fact that over 5 million elderly people in this country are hungry? So, well, they
0: should have planned better. Oh. Well, I was going to ask uh, what we can do. I think from what you're saying, it's uh, changing American perception of hunger. Mm-hmm. Allison, what about you?
3: Yeah, I think it is changing perception. What we know, um, at least in Minnesota, is that... Almost three-quarters of the people who we serve who are food insecure have worked. One member of the family has worked in the last year. Hmm. And so these are working families. Again, it goes back to the economic recovery. It has not hit every corner. And so you think about populations like older Americans, older Minnesotans, um, but just working families who are working two jobs, Who are underemployed our unemployment numbers are so low so people have jobs but they are not working to their potential and they're not getting paid uh you know as much as they need to to support their families and so people are really living on the edge Mm -hmm. and it is our neighbors our colleagues our family members it is people around us and so trying we are really trying to tell a true accurate provide some facts around that conversation, mm-hmm. but to bring to light that this is so much closer to all of us than, than it may appear every day. And maybe a good that.
2: example, Allison, of that truth at a, at a national level would have been during the government shutdown. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the un, unfortunate statistics about uh, the American working American household is that um, our households are about – away from financial crisis. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Our households cannot withstand financially the loss of one paycheck.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, During the government shutdown, there were many households who would, again, what we would expect and want for people, hardworking, dedicated professionals Mm -hmm. who found themselves without a job and who
0: very quickly Found themselves unable to feed yeah. their families. Let's well, see. It's interesting. We're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna ask Beth to kind of uh, wrap us, and then I have a final question that we always ask on the mm-hmm. podcast. But it, it strikes me, Beth, that um, the way they're talking about, uh, the way Claire and Allison are both talking about perception, is something that um, we are dealing with every day on the perception of rural communities, yes. and I, I just thought that was an interesting parallel if you wanted to comment on how many
1: t- presentations have we been together uh, many <laughs> many um and what are the three a's right. awareness advocacy action i i'm an optimist uh, i'm a pragmatic optimist <laughs> and here's how i i would phrase that yeah. um m- when we've written um you know Eds when there's a the discussion when we had the good fortune of, of getting the interest of 60 minutes and talking about um, what goes on at land O'Lakes, what farmers are dealing with uh, issues like that every time I hear back from that everybody says I just didn't know mm-hmm. yeah how can I help mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. didn't know how can I help so we're talking about the specific area of hunger but I you know my overriding push is around investment in rural communities. And the shared destiny of rural and urban population. It is all connected. And to me, it is about awareness, advocacy, action. Action. And um, I see that every day from our members, from our farmers, for the way that they're involved in their own communities. I see that in urban areas. I lived in cities for 20-some years. I'm living in a city right now. Right. So I think it's about, you know, there are many good people. Many, many good people in the world and in America. And when we talk about and raise and elevate the conversation to this is this, the issue and we need help solving this, I haven't heard of, well, it's not my problem we need to help yeah. them we do need to make connections to help people understand why it's everybody's issue not just some specific community's issue or as you said you know it earned poverty or something you know the criminalization of poverty it's something that earned this kind of lot in life we're better than that i think
0: Beth is a returning guest, so I'm not going to ask her our, <laughs> <Yeah>. our <end laughs> You've already question. had my wrap. I, I, I have that wrap. But uh, well, the way we like to end um, our podcast is to ask the question, what does something greater mean to you? So Allison or Claire, I would ask uh, if you would give us your answer, we would sure appreciate it.
3: Something greater, I think, is what we are, this conversation we're having right now in working together to solve some of these complex problems I think um, something greater for me personally is realizing, and I have done this over the course of my career, realizing and accepting the responsibility to keep pushing to solve those issues. And that is what drives me every single day.
2: Yeah. Claire? So, um,
3: um,
2: so something greater is an America where people who suffer know that they will be embraced by their neighbors, um, yes. that they will be understood, and that they will be provided the resources that are helpful to elevate themselves out of that
0: struggle, um, whether they live in rural America, or urban, or suburban. Agreed. Thank you so much. Thank you all for joining me. We really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. O'Lakes Something Greater podcast is delivered monthly via our Member Connections newsletter or on our website. Just go to landerlakesync.com then click on Members at the top right. We're also available wherever you find your podcasts.